You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me today is uh, one of our good friends and uh, everybody's favorite uh, Internet minor league guru, as it comes to, when it comes to the Reds, Doug Gray from RedsMinorLeagues.com. How you doing today, Doug? I'm pretty good. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Doug, of course, follows the Reds minor leagues closer than anyone outside the Reds organization, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, we're, there's several things we want to get into with respect to the minor league uh, guys and, and some of the prospects that are coming up and whose stock has risen, whose stock has dropped this year. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the Major League Reds, because they continue to surprise some. They're maybe in a little bit of a rough stretch right now, but they continue to be a competitive team and in the thick of the race, uh, one game out as we record this. Um, how surprised have you been at the performance of the Cincinnati Reds this year? They're playing a little bit better than I expected. Uh, before the season, I figured they'd win 84 or 85 games. They're on pace to win a few more than that. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the big thing has been, you know, the pitching's been strong as of late. I expect it to be a little better than it was at the beginning of the season, but right now I think that they're at a point where they can maintain their overall you know, pitching as to where I expect it to be at the beginning of the season. Yeah, the pitching has been uh, finally started to perk up a little bit here lately, uh, and, and at the exact same time that started happening, the hitting, which had been leading the league all year, uh, went into the tank, and... I think a lot of us were afraid that the offense for the Reds wouldn't be as good this year as we would need to get into the playoffs. Well, it's been better than anybody could have expected so far, but um, how concerned are you that with the current roster as it's uh, set up that this these hitting problems are going to continue on through uh, the end of September and into October? I'm not too concerned. I mean, the only guy that I'm concerned about is Orlando Cabrera. Everybody else, I think that they bring something to the table that, you know, helps out the offense. Now, this is assuming that Scott Rowland can come back and be healthy the rest of the way. Otherwise, whoever's playing third base is probably going to be a concern as well. Uh, you know, Miguel Cairo's played well, but if he plays every day, I don't really see him keeping it up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Cabrera is really the only guy that I see is an offensive-only problem. I mean, I think that, you know, left field is something that we may want to address. I like Johnny Gomes, but, you know, He's not really killing the ball anymore, and if he's not killing the ball, I kind of question how much he's actually helping the team because his defense is pretty bad. You know, Doug, you're a semi-regular here on the podcast, and I'm really disappointed that you've already, we're not even five minutes in, you've already broken our cardinal rule of not mentioning Orlando Cabrera. Don't you know how sad it makes me to talk about Orlando Cabrera? You're not supposed to mention him. You asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't be honest if we have to talk about uh, Cabrera. Just uh, let's go somewhere else on that. He... Oh, that just, that whole Cabrera situation, watching him hit first or second every day just makes my head hurt. Um, let's talk about, we're coming up on the trade deadline, obviously. Uh, the Reds, you know, they need, they need some, uh, they need some help. There's opinions vary on what kind of help they need, bullpen, starting pitching, offense, shortstop, left field. You've touched on some of those issues. Um, but let's talk about it from sort of a different perspective. Let's talk about some of the names that the Reds might have in the minor leagues as sort of trade chips. Uh, John Fay in the Inquirer today noted uh, a few names, and let's just go one by one, and, and let me know what you think 
about their value on the trade market in terms of how they perform this year, whether their stock has risen or fallen, et cetera, if that's all right. Let's start with Todd Frazier from down at Louisville. First of all, sort of update us on Frazier's season. He got off to an awfully rough start. He's been playing better lately, but what's your opinion on Frazier at this point? I think that you know from the beginning of the season, his stock has to be down. He came into the season ranked the number one prospect by Baseball America in our system, and his OPS is sitting at 704. You know, he's really struggled, you know, to hit throughout the season. Um, yeah, I think in the long run, he's going to be fine. The power starting to come back around. Uh, I'm not sure how many people know this or not. He had knee surgery in the off season. It's why he didn't end up playing winter ball. And I kind of wondered how much that really had been affecting his swing uh, after he had been struggling through April and May. Uh, you know, the power's coming back, so I think that's a good sign. I, I think he just needs to make a few more adjustments, which he's always been able to make in his career. So I, I think that in the long run, he's going to be okay, but his stock certainly is down from where it was at the beginning of the season. He's playing mostly third base down there, isn't he? Um, he's, he's back out in left field now. Uh, when Juan Francisco went on the DL with the oh, that's right. and the appendix went out, um, Todd did move into the infield. But now that Juan Francisco is back, he's pretty much out in left field again. Um, I, I, I just had noticed lately he'd been uh, at third base, or there for a while, he'd been third base for a while. Um, and, and and probably, that, in my opinion, that may be his best position. Do you think he's uh, got the chops to play second base on the major league level? My hope before the season was that he was going to, uh, this year, really bust out and become a, a solid option at second base. You know, he looked pretty uncomfortable there last year when they first moved him over. I think that as the season went along, he kind of picked up on some things, but he, he still had a ways to go. I was hoping that they'd stick with that experiment and, you know, give him a full season working at second base this year. Um, I think that he probably needed it if he was ever going to play there in the major leagues. But since they haven't really stuck with it, I'm not really sure that's going to be an option. Is he ever going to hit uh, really well enough, do you think, to play, uh, you know, left field, for example, in the major leagues? I don't think that he can be, you know, a premier bat in left field, but, you know, he could be a guy that could hit you 40 doubles and 25 home runs and, you know, play average defense in left field. And that's kind of what I was drooling over before the season was the thought that a guy like that could be maybe the long-term second baseman in Cincinnati. Of course, nobody knew that Brandon Phillips was going to really break out this year and have his best year, although he's been struggling lately. Uh, so that, that was sort of you know what I was hoping, whether or not he could uh, do it defensively or not, I didn't know. But I'm afraid I'm, he goes from being what could possibly be a very, be a very valuable commodity as a second baseman to you know uh, maybe an average left fielder uh, or third baseman on the major league level. Um, what about the, the name that's sort of on everybody's lips when you talk about uh, trade chips, uh, Yonder Alonso? He uh, obviously he started out fairly poorly when he made it up to Louisville when he eventually got called up. Uh, initially, he's played a little bit better, but uh, the left field experiment, I guess, uh, didn't work. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, I've seen the improvements uh, in the limited time he's played in left field lately. Like, it really is night and day difference compared to what he looked like at the beginning of the season. That's not saying much because he was pretty bad. Um, yeah, I think there's an outside chance that, you know, defensively he could be, you know, Johnny Gomes-esque. Um, you know, he's not going to absolutely kill you as long as he can hit, but it's not really an ideal situation to, you know, have him out there every day unless he, you know, is a guy that can absolutely carry your offense. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think he's got a... a, a the guy I think about that's um, 
fairly brutal in left field is Ryan Braun, but he hits well enough to make up for it. Johnny Gomes, you know, if you're being compared to Johnny Gomes defensively as being sort of your upside, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he just he's just not very fast and you know he very raw out there. I mean, it's, he's really only had fifty or sixty games out there, so you know it's going to take some time if they do want to go down that road rather than you know make him a you know a trading chip to try and you know bring in talent for you know maybe a stretch run or even in the off season to fill a hole that they can't get in free agency. Is now the time to trade him? What do you sense in terms of his? And I, this is really sort of a, a vague question uh, intentionally, but. What, how do you sense, where do you sense Alonzo's value being on the trade market? You know, he's obviously number one pick, very highly regarded, but he's not really killed the ball in the minor leagues. And um, is now a good time to trade him? Is he, are we at his low point in terms of his trade value? Should they wait? Uh, what do you think? I mean, it, it probably is his low point, but I, I think that he still has value out there from talking to scouts. You know, he's still, you know, a, a pretty good commodity for the Reds to trade. It just seems that right now all the teams that are trying to move guys off that are, you know, out there looking aren't looking for a first baseman. It seems everybody's got a guy that, you know, Alonzo's not really a big upgrade from, you know, to make a trade for. Uh, So I I think that, you know, unless something that we haven't really thought about comes up, that he's probably going to be a guy that's going to be talked about, you know, in the December winter meetings as, as a trade ship again. Well, clearly he's he's blocked in Cincinnati um, unless the National League decides to use a, uh, start using a designated hitter because he's not going to play ahead of Joey Votto. Joey Votto's turning into a folk folk hero in in Cincinnati. Uh, so no matter how well Alonzo hits, his, his spot's blocked. So you would hope that he'd have enough value where the Reds can really flip him for something uh, good because that's sort of what everybody said when he was uh, drafted. The Reds thought he was the best available player, and that's fine. I don't mind uh, you know not drafting for position in that situation because you've always got a good valuable trade commodity if if they if they work out and so I'm I'm hopeful that uh, he can pound the ball the rest of this year and really bring some some value back to the Reds. A guy that to shift gears here for just a second, a guy that sort of there's a, a varying uh, lots of varying opinions on him is Juan Francisco. Where do you stand? And we've talked about this every time you come on. We talk about Juan Francisco because I'm not a I'm not a Juan Francisco fan. Well, that's not really the best way to put it. But I'll, I'll give my opinion on him in a moment. But where, where do you stand on Juan Francisco? Yeah, I, I think that we're probably on the same page. You know, I, I don't think that he's even close to ready to be a, a guy that you can play every day in the major leagues. His play discipline is just terrible. Uh, you know, I, and it, it's weird saying that because the first few you know, 10, 15 times I saw him play, I, there was not a pitch you could throw toward the plate that he would not swing at. And watching him the last year and a half in Louisville, you know, he, you can see him making the adjustments and trying to wait for his pitch, but he just seems to, you know, battle and battle and either, you know, he's going to strike out or he's going to, you know, make contact when it gets to the point where, you know, he's got two, three balls on him. He's just going to keep fighting, trying to get that hit. He's not, it seems like he's not okay with trying to take a walk you know, when he gets deep into the count. And I think that, you know, that's something that major league pitchers are going to exploit a lot more than, you know, the triple-A guys that he's facing now. You know, the, the power, though, <laughs> I mean, I can see why the Reds, you know, don't want to give up on the guy. You know, he can hit the baseball further than anybody that's worn a Reds uniform outside of Adam Dunn in a long, long time. You know, it, it, it's really tough to give up on a tool like that from somebody who's so young still. 
I'll give you credit here. You made up for mentioning Orlando Cabrera earlier by bringing up Adam Dunn. That's always uh, I always approve of any reference to Adam Dunn on the Red Lake Nation Radio podcast. So good work. Um, my my opinion on Francisco is really I've always felt like he's a guy that I hope some night there are you know six scouts in the in the stands watching him and he hits two balls about 500 feet each and and you know some organization becomes enamored of him and offers offers something. Uh, I, I, just, I don't see him ever really uh, making much of an impact in Cincinnati. But, I mean, the guy, you're right, when he gets hold of the ball, I mean, he absolutely uh, can hit it and hit it harder than uh, just about anybody you've seen. Um, but I, I've always sort of compared him to a guy like Willie Mopena who had that great power and all these tools and just uh, couldn't, uh, you know, never really put it together. Um, but, you know, Willie Mopena ended up being valuable to Cincinnati because he brought Bronson Arroyo. So, um yeah, I mean, there's always that hope. I, I think that the one thing, the difference with Pena and Francisco is Willie Mo Pena couldn't hit a breaking ball to save his life. Francisco can hit all the pitches. You know, I mean, he, he's got a few holes under his hands. But, you know, if there's a breaking ball in the outside corner, he can take it the other way. You know, Willie Mo was never going to do that. He was dead red fastball or changeup. He wanted to hit something straight, and if it had any bend to it, he had no idea what to do with it. Francisco, he, he can hit those pitches. Yeah, that's a good point. Francisco, uh, he's not a bad hitter. If he would just, uh, if he had the plate discipline of a guy like Yonder Alonso, um, well, then we'd be talking about an MVP at exactly. you know, 23, 24 years old. Exactly, exactly. Um, there are very few people uh, outside of Vladimir Guerrero that can uh, can swing at pitches uh, all over the place and, and still uh, be productive. Um, the next guy I want to talk about, and I don't know if he's, I, I, I don't personally think that the, I don't see the Reds wanting to trade him this year around the trade deadline or uh, anytime, even postseason. But a guy that I think has been the biggest surprise for a lot of people in the Reds minor league system, uh, Devin Mesoraco catching now in uh, Carolina in double A. We talked to Mesoraco before the season and he was, uh, we were really impressed by the guy, first of all. And everybody that we've talked to has really been complimentary of his work ethic, the way he's improved defensively, uh, receiving the ball, uh, throwing. Um, but nobody could have predicted that he was going to bust out with the bat this year like he has. So what, what do you take out of that? What do you make of it? Well, in the preseason, I, I did predict him as the breakout player of the year. Now, I, I didn't see him, you know, doing what he's done because, you know, it's just been flat out incredible. His OPS is, you know, pushing a thousand right now between two levels. I mean, nobody really ever predicts someone to do that. But, you know, the signs were there last year that, you know, his bat was ready to break out if he could stay healthy. Uh, you know, he was in the Florida State League, but he still hit for above average power. And, you know, he's coming off the thumb injuries. And, you know, if he was going to be healthy, getting away from the Florida State League, all the peripherals just kind of lined up. And, you know, he took it to a different level this year. You know, he's 22 now, just turned 22. You know, that's kind of the age that you start to see guys really break out with the power. And, you know, he's really put together a great, great season. Well, it's just been unbelievable. You know, you look at what he did. He started the year, obviously, in Lynchburg at high A. And in 43 games, he had uh, 10 homers, 31 RBIs. He had uh, 11 doubles. Uh, On-base percentage, 414. Batting average, 335. OPS over 1,000. And you think, good grief, where did that come from, you know? But then you, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well... You know, 43 games. Yeah, he's gotten hot. It's a bit of a fluke. They move him up to Double A, and initially he, you know, struggled just a little bit. 
But then you turn around and he's played 41 games there, 10 homers, uh, you know, uh, nine doubles, 301 average, 356 on base percentage, OPS almost up there around a thousand. He's still hitting the ball very, very hard. And, uh, it just, it's, it's blown me away that he's continued to produce, uh, this long. How about his defense? Is he, what, what, what are we seeing with his defense? You know, last year, until about mid-May, he was only throwing out like 5% of the guys that were attempted to run on him. Um, it turns out, you know, he had, he had an elbow injury, but they let him play through it. And from about the middle of May through the end of the season, he threw out 48% of the base runners against him. You know, but he started off so bad that at the end of the season, he only was at 30%. This year, between AA and uh, high A, he's thrown out, you know, 42%, which is right in line with what you'd expect. So, you know, it, it's really kind of just going along with where he was at last year while he was healthy. You know, he's still got a few too many pass balls. He's at 11 for the season. Um, you know, you can't always take that number at face value in the minor leagues because, you know, sometimes pitchers just, they just throw the wrong pitch. You know, you get your signs mixed up. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to say that, you know, he needs to work on his receiving skills because I haven't seen him actually play this year outside of a few video clips. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, that, that might be a slight concern if you're looking just at the numbers solely on their own, but that he does allow a few too many pass balls than you'd like to see. But, I mean, other than that, it, it seems like everything is, is right where you'd want to see it. Well, that was the thing that he mentioned that he had been working on the hardest was his receiving skills and, uh, he told some, a couple of good stories about uh, walking into camp and being able to work out with Johnny Bench and uh, being sort of awestruck about that. Seems like a really good kid. He's a guy that we're certainly rooting for. Uh, but because if he pans out, you know, a catcher with power, you don't see too many of those. Um, he, he could really uh, be of value for a number of years for the Reds in Cincinnati. Now, another guy I wanted to sort of mention, and we're – I'm sort of shifting away from the question of trade chips and things like that. You know, some of the individual names that I think are interesting in the Reds minor league system. A guy named Bradley Boxberger is interesting to me, his performance. And I want to get your take on what he's done. He obviously was the supplemental pick uh, after the first round in the draft last year, taken right after Mike Leake. Boxberger started out the season in high A at Lynchburg and, you know, pitched fairly well uh, in 14 games. He started 13, uh, you know, 3.19 ERA. Pitched fairly well, moved up to double A, and uh, has struggled in his uh, short time in in double A. Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on uh, Brad Brad Boxberger? I love this kid. You know, it, he's got probably the highest ceiling of any pitcher that we've got in the system outside of Aroldis Chapman. You know, the other day I got a report that he hit 98 miles an hour out of the bullpen in Carolina. Um, you know, like you mentioned, he's really struggled. He's pitched. Uh, I think nine or ten games for Carolina so far, and he's given up a run in every single game. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, it, at least mentally or physically right now, he's ready to pitch out of the bullpen. Um, you know, they made that move, and he's just absolutely struggled to throw strikes. You know, he's almost got as many uh, walks as strikeouts out of the bullpen when, you know, he was well over three to one strikeouts for walks as a starter. But, you know, just his arm, it's, it's probably the second best arm we've got in our system right now. Uh, you know, they need to move him to the bullpen to limit his innings because you don't really want to push him too hard. I, I don't think that, you know, people should be too concerned with the numbers he's putting up out of the bullpen because I think that the Reds are going to give him a shot to be a starter as long as they can. 
and what he showed as a starter this year means he's going to get a shot again next year when you know he can start starting again. Um, I hope to get down to see uh, Boxberger play at some point, and now seems like as good a time as any to mention. I think you're going to be going on a trip uh, to watch some of these guys. Isn't that correct? Yeah, next month uh, I'm going to be going on a week-long trip to Lynchburg in Carolina to uh, scout all of these guys. Uh, they're the two teams that I haven't really seen yet this year. Uh, well, in the Arizona League Reds, because they're way out in Arizona and there's no video online of them at all. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm kind of in the planning stages right now, trying to get everything together. And I'm waiting on uh, one other person. I might be getting a photographer to go with me to help shoot video and pictures. Um, and I need to figure out if they can go or not before I can you know, figure out the exact dates of when I can go. Well, depending on my schedule, I'm hoping to be able to meet you in uh, Lynchburg uh, at some point uh, on your trip, but that's going to depend on uh, my schedule. But I've not been down to see Lynchburg play yet. I'm looking forward to doing that. I got, I've been to that stadium before. I've seen uh, Lynchburg play, but not since they've been a Reds affiliate. It's a nice little stadium. Uh, they do a good job down there. Um, you kind of mentioned, uh, sort of touched on something I was going to ask you. Who are, at this point in the season – Halfway through, a little, little past halfway, who, who, who's the pitcher of the year and the hitter of the year? Uh, I, I know you're going to say for the hitter of the year, but uh, who, are, who, who are the top two or three uh, on both of those in the Reds minor leagues? Well, I mean, the hitter of the year has to be Devin Mesoraco. I mean, nobody else is even close to you know putting up a season like he's done. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know Dave Sapelt has got to be up there. Uh, you know, he's got. He's leading the Southern League in batting average right now. He's over 350. Um, you know, good glove center fielder. So I mean, it's even you know better than you know if he was a corner infielder, it wouldn't be as impressive. But you know, he's hitting 350 and slugging over 500 as a really good glove center fielder. Um, you know, those two guys are pretty much you know they've separated themselves from everybody else as far as the hitters go. Bef- Hold on, before you move over to the pitchers, I want I do want to mention Sapelt. Uh, uh, Briefly, because he's one of my favorite guys in the Reds organization. Five foot nine, out of Coastal Carolina, uh, he uh, turned uh, twenty three before the season, and he has just uh, pounded the ball since moving up to to Carolina uh, in Double A. You know, three fifty one average, OPS at nine thirty. Uh, you know, gets on base. Um, uh, this is a guy that I, you could see, you know, sooner rather than later, being in center field in Cincinnati or somewhere. Uh, I mean. Am I, am I right about that? Yeah, I, I think that the one thing that's working against him is, you know, I'm not sure that the Reds are going to, you know, give him a shot to start in center field unless, you know, Drew Stubbs just kind of falls off just because it seems that, you know, they really seem committed to Drew Stubbs. They've stuck with him through his struggles, you know, and they've kind of re- reaped the reward, you know, since he moved out of the the, the leadoff spot. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure that, you know, Sapel's got that high ceiling that, you know, they're going to be willing to push somebody like Stubbs out of the way for unless he really struggles. Which is kind of a shame because you know his bat's probably not going to play at a corner position, and defensively, you know he's right there, you know, at the top of the organization as far as you know defense goes in center field. Yeah, that well, that's a an abundance of riches is always a good problem to have. Uh, I interrupted you now. Let's go ahead and talk about the pitchers. You know, the one thing with the pitchers, it's kind of been tough because you know it seems that the guys that would be in the running have kind of been called up and taken out of the spotlight. You know, Travis Woods been putting together a really good season, and he was on a really good roll before he got called up. You know, his ERA is over three right now, but over his last ten starts in Louisville, 
it was under two. You know, I think that, you know, he could have been in the conversation. Um, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, though, I might give it to a relief pitcher in Donnie Joseph. You know, he has been just absolutely lights out. He's got 80 strikeouts in 48 and two-thirds innings. He's got just 20 walks. His ERA is 1.48. You know, he just flat-out dominated between Dayton and Lynchburg, and I'm just not sure that anybody else has an argument that, you know, can stack up with his. Yeah, he's had a f- fantastic season, and uh, no question about it, uh, from beginning to end. He actually won our Player of the Month, um, Pitcher of the Month, in the minor leagues last month. It's a great, great month. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the guy that everybody's been talking about, although lately things have quieted down a bit, about young Aroldis Chapman. Um, you know, he's actually, uh, lately for the most part, uh, he's been pitching out of the bullpen, but his last several outings have been pretty good yeah you know this guy's just got an electric arm and it's really really easy to fall in love with you know a guy that can throw 102 miles an hour a legit 102 miles an hour but you know he really struggles to throw the ball to the catcher's target at times um i've seen him multiple games throw less less than half of his pitches within a six inch range of the catcher's target and i'm just not sure that at this point he's ready uh, you know, he's had some games in in the bullpen where, you know, for two or three batters, you know, every pitch he's throwing is absolute money right where the catcher wanted it, and the hitter has no chance. But then he'll throw seven or eight straight balls and walk the next two guys. Uh, I, I mean, I think that, you know, there's a chance that we could see him, you know, in September, but I'm not really sure that we're going to see him any time before that. I'm going to actually disagree with you there. I think the Reds are going to bring him up sometime before the end of August. That's my prediction. I, I think that. I, I think that you know you might be right just because if they get to the playoffs, he has to be on the he has to be on the roster by August thirty first. Exactly, and um, I just you know they're going to be in a pennant race. Hopefully, uh, you know this guy is going to create some electricity when he gets called up. Um, it, it's just I, I that's just my prediction. I, I don't have anything. I'm not basing that on anything other than just a sort of my sense that the Reds are going to want to bring him up. Sooner rather than later, if he show continues to show that he's you know somewhat ready. Clearly, uh, the light hasn't clicked for him just yet with respect to control. Who knows if it will? We hope so. But he's put up several fairly good outings in a row in, in AAA. If he does it puts up another uh, you know few outings like that, I really feel like they're going to start thinking, hey, let's get this guy up here, let's uh, toss him in the bullpen in Cincinnati, see what he's got. If nothing else, we'll sell some tickets. Well, that's true, but let me toss you this one. Who are they going to send down if they call up Chapman? Yeah, I don't know. Bill Bray. Well, yeah, I, he, he would be one of the options. Uh, it's, it's nice to actually talk about this. I mean, the Reds have a lot of different little interesting bullpen options they've got coming up they might need to be making. You know, they got Chapman, uh, you know, Russ Springer's pitching well, Jason Islinghausen. Could be interesting to see what goes on in the bullpen over the next few weeks. I think it's going to be fascinating, both the bullpen and the, the starting rotation on the major league level, uh, because you've got so many guys. You know, Travis Wood is just basically saying, "You can't remove me from the rotation," because he continues to produce in Cincinnati. Uh, my opinion, and I'm a huge Homer Bailey fan, still am, but my opinion is they would have moved Bailey to the bullpen. Um, but again, you, you got a numbers game, and, and I, I don't know what they're going to do. And I don't envy the decision makers in Cincinnati having to make that decision because there's a lot of options and, and not very many spots. 
Yeah, you know, somebody's going to get sent down that does not deserve to be sent down. Somebody that, you know, they're doing their job and they're doing it well. It's just going to come down to, you know, a numbers game, like you said. Yeah, and, you know, it's been so long since we've had to worry about anything like that. It's, uh, it's fun to talk about. What about Homer Bailey? He made his first uh, made a rehab start uh, for Dayton yesterday. Uh, what are the reports on him after that uh, first outing? You know, the, the stuff was good from everything that I heard. Um, you know, he had five strikeouts and one walk. Uh, you know, so the, the control was pretty good. You know, he only went, you know, four innings. So he's probably going to need to make another rehab start or maybe even three if they want to prolong the decision, you know, to, you know, kind of give other guys chances, maybe shine somebody up uh, as a trade, you know, before, well, I guess we've only got three or four more days left until the trade deadline. But, you know, they can prolong that decision by giving him a few more rehab starts and building up his stamina coming off of the injury. Um I, I think he's going to be all right. I'm going to uh, put you on the spot here, and you may not have an answer for this, and I'm going to apologize ahead of time, but is there one guy in the Reds minor league system that a, a lot of uh, your, your, maybe not even casual fans, maybe even some hardcore fans of the Cincinnati Reds hasn't really heard much about that you think people ought to be, I don't know, paying more attention to or uh, deserves a little bit uh, more uh to be in the discussion a little bit more than what uh, what he has been. Anybody flying under the radar that you think needs to be highlighted? Oh, man, that's such a tough question because I don't really know who fits into that under the radar because you know, I follow him hardcore every day. Uh, I guess the guy that really has stepped up a lot this year that you know I guess your everyday fan hasn't heard of would probably be Billy Hamilton. Um, you know, he's playing down in Billings right now. He started switch hitting last year. He's arguably the best athlete we've got in our system. Um, you know, I think that defensively, he might be the best defensive player we've got in the entire system. You know, he's made some absolutely incredible highlight reel plays this season you know, between shortstop and second base uh, for Billings. I mean, he's just 19 years old. Um, you know, last year he really struggled, and the progress that he's made this year has been just absolutely incredible. Uh, his upside is probably only matched from an offensive or, a, or I guess, a position player standpoint by, you know, Devin Mezzarocco and Norman Rodriguez. I really think that, you know, his offensive potential could be in the same level as those guys one day. I'm really glad to hear that. He's one of the guys that's really intrigued me. A lot of uh, Reds fans may remember, obviously, he was drafted last year, I guess, in the second round, and um, he had a football scholarship offer to Mississippi State, I believe, and... Uh, just reputed, as you say, to be just an unbelievable athlete. And I've seen some of those clips uh, that you've uh, linked of his defensive uh, wizardry. And at, at his age, being in uh, in Billing and, and his OPS is around 800, uh, you know, uh, if that guy pans out and can play shortstop, uh, as good a athlete as he is, that could be a real steal for the for the Reds picking a guy out of high school. Um, what about this guy? And I, I don't know much about him. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, right off, but I keep seeing his name in, in the reports uh, every day, the down on the farm reports we do at uh, redlegnation.com. Junior Arias down there with the uh, Rookie League, Arizona League Reds. Do you know anything about him? Anything you can pass along to us? Yeah, he's a really good athlete. Um, you know, their concern is that he's not going to stick at shortstop in the long run, which is fine. You know, he, he can hit for power, so he'd be able to play. You know, his bat would play plenty at, you know, 
a corner position if he needed to move there. Maybe even there's been talks that maybe he could move into center field one day. Uh, you know, once he plays his way off at shortstop. Um, you know, he he got signed I think in 2007. Got like three hundred thousand dollars, which it's not a giant you know bonus baby kind of uh, deal, but that that's a significant you know chunk of change. You know, he was one of the top 15 guys out of uh, Venezuela when he got uh, signed. So you know, he's been around. For two years in the system, you know, right now he's absolutely killing the ball. Uh, you know, he needs to work on his plate discipline a lot. He's got seven times more strikeouts than he does walks. But, you know, when he puts the bat on the ball, you know, he, he's doing a lot of damage. So, you know, at 18 years old, you know, he's got plenty of time to work on the plate discipline. But I, it is the one thing that I'd watch with him as he moves up. It seems like I see his name in the box score every day with three hits. It's uh, crazy. Um, I'm going to throw out a few names here. Uh, and just get uh, a brief one or two sentence reaction if, or more if you want to expound on it. But uh, just what you think about these guys in terms of uh, are they, are they going to help the Reds if and you know when and when's that going to happen? I guess is, is the question. Um, let's uh, start with Louisville. Clearly, the best player in the history of the Louisville Bats, Corky Miller. No, I don't. I don't really want to talk about Corky. I just. <laughs> I love, love his mustache, and so I wanted to bring him up. Uh, it's an awesome mustache. I, I really hated when he was uh, sent down. Uh, you know, obviously he's uh, he's not going to make the team with Hannigan and Hernandez up there uh, in Cincinnati. But golly, there's something about that Corky Miller that uh, that I love. Uh, um, Zach Kozar, shortstop, Louisville. I, I really like this kid. I think that he might be one of the more underrated players in our system. You know, he does everything well. Um, you know, he steals bases well. He's got he's 23 for 26 this year. He's got slightly above average speed, you know, above average defense. You know, he's not going to hit for a high average, but, you know, he's going to draw his walks. He's probably going to hit you 15 to 20 home runs every year. You know, I, I really think that, you know, the Reds should give him a legitimate, like, shot next year in spring training to win the shortstop position. Saw Cozart play some last year, uh, a good bit in double-A, and was really impressed with his glove in, you know, uh, the six, seven games that I saw him play. Um, but the pop in his bat, you know, he's got 15 homers this year in 100 games. Uh, that's sort of taking me a little by surprise. Um, do you do you see the Reds giving him a shot next year? Oh, that's such a tough question because I know how much they they love their their veteran guys, and I know that some people want to try and play that off. But I really think that you know it's going to be tough for them to go into you know spring training next year and say, oh well. You know, we're going to give our shortstop position to whoever plays better between Paul Yonish and some guy that 95% of the fans out there have never heard of in Zach Cozart. So I, I'd be really surprised if that's the route that they went, but I'd be really happy if it is the route that they went. Yeah, that's sort of the way I, I, I feel about it. It pretty much sums up my thoughts perfectly. Uh, I don't necessarily see it happening, but it really wouldn't be a bad thing for the Reds uh, to do that. Of course, they had... They had Cozart at Reds Fest, I think, this year, so he's maybe in their plans. They they like him. Um, Vladimir Ballantin, we ever going to see anything out of this guy? I hope so. You know, he's he's been hitting this some really bad luck this year down in Louisville. You know, his batting average on balls in play is about 80 points lower than you would think it would be, you know, given his line drive rate. And, you know, his power is absolutely legit. He has been killing the ball lately. I think he's got – nine home runs in his last 15 games. He's just been on an absolute tear. Uh, I, I think that, you know, he's a really good fit, you know, for a lot of teams as a fourth or fifth outfielder. Now, whether that team is the Reds, I'm not sure, just given the other options that they have. 
Drew Sutton, he could be on a major league bench for somebody right now, couldn't he? Yeah, he could. I'm just, again, I'm not sure that the Reds are that team, just given who else that they have. You know, I think that, you know, the Reds really enjoy having, you know, a, a guy like a veteran guy like Miguel Cairo coming off of their bench. And then, you know, Paul Yandish kind of fit the same mold, uh, same role that you would see a Drew Sutton in who can kind of play anywhere on the infield. Um, let's see, who else at Triple uh, A? Chris Valeka. You know, I really like Chris Valeka as far as, you know, a utility guy goes. I'm not too sure anymore if I think that he could be a starting second baseman. You know, his power really dropped off this year. I know he had a hand injury last year, uh, but before, you know, I give him a shot at starting it, I want to see more power out of him. All right. Uh, Jared Burton, he's uh, still stuck down there in AAA, but uh, pitching awfully well. Uh, when, when are they going to get this guy back up in the majors? Or get, maybe that comes down to the numbers game we were just talking about. Yeah, you know, he's putting up really good numbers. I think his ERA is under two and a half right now. Uh, you know, he's still battling with his control a little bit. Uh, you know, not quite two to one strikeout to walk ratio. Um, you know, like you said, it's the numbers game. The Reds have a lot of really, really good bullpen options. Uh, right now, you know, we, he might get a chance again next year. I'm not sure that he's going to be given an opportunity to, you know, play before, you know, the, the start of next year for the Reds. There are just too many other options that, you know, the Reds have and that they've kind of committed themselves to. Dropping down to Double A, Carolina, is there anyone on that pitching staff down there? Maybe Scott Carroll. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, Scott Matt Carroll Farrell. is probably the guy that I've watched the most. Um, I think that I, I'm not sure that he's going to be a starter in the majors, um, you know, coupled with, you know, first off, what the Reds have ahead of him on their depth chart, even if, you know, by some off chance that the Reds let both Arroyo and Harang walk. He's just so far down the depth chart that I'm not sure he's going to get a chance. But I'd really like to see him out of, out of the bullpen because he can hit 95, you know, with his sinker you know, as a starter every now and again. Uh, you know, if he can get up to, you know, sitting at 95 with a sinking fastball out of the bullpen, I really think that, you know, he'd have a good career like that. Um, you know, the other guy you mentioned, Matt Farrell, he kind of reminds me of a Matt Maloney, uh, a little less polished than Matt Maloney has right now, but Matt Maloney's also a few years older than he is. But I, I think that, you know, he's another guy that, you know, we could see in the major leagues one day that's off of that pitching staff. Um, you know, and then, you know, you mentioned uh, Boxberger earlier. I think that, you know, he's going to be in the major leagues one day. Just, you know, on what role is yet to be determined with him? Uh, sticking with that Carolina team, um, what's the what's the word? I've seen him play a couple times. I don't have any real sense, just from my own eyes. Um, defensively, Chris uh, Negron? Yeah, um, you know, he, he's a pretty good defensive shortstop. He, at the very least, he's average. Um, you know, he might even be above average. Um, you know, he's got good speed and he uses it well over there. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, he's a guy that kind of gets overlooked because of all the depth that the Reds actually do have at the shortstop position, uh, you know, in, in their farm system. You know, he's not a great prospect, but he's certainly more than like an organizational guy. Okay, let's drop down to single A just quickly. Let's run through these. Anybody at Lynchburg that uh, we need to keep an eye on? That team is it, it, it's been stripped of some of its better prospects. It has been, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Donnie Joseph is still down there. Um, you know, I, I think that 
we touched on him earlier. You know, he's going to be pretty good. Um, you know, Neftali Soto's still got a chance. You know, he's showing really good power, especially considering that he's coming off a handmade injury, which usually saps guys' power for over a year. Um, I, I like Cody Puckett. He, his bat's pretty good. He's made some decent strides in his plate discipline, which was a concern coming into this season. You know, there's questions as to where he's going to play. Not many people think he can play second base. He's gotten a few starts out in the outfield, but I think that his bat could play one day if he keeps progressing. Uh, that's 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 probably about it on the hitting side. Um, I mean, the pitching, uh, not not too many good arms down there right now. It seems that they you know they kind of had their arms purged from them as well. They don't have a single guy left from their starting rotation at the beginning of the season. Every single one of those guys has been pushed up a level. What do you think? I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. As we move on to uh, Dayton, what do you think about uh, Ryan Lamar? 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 He uh, was picked, I guess, in the second round of the draft this year out of the University of Michigan. Um, what's what's the word on him? You know, great athlete. Um, his scouts seem to like his power a little bit more than I do. Um, so I, I think that that's really the main sticking point with me as far as Lamar goes. Now, I kind of want to see how much power he's going to hit for because right now I, I'm not sure that you know he's going to be able to hit you know 10 home runs in the major leagues. Uh, some scouts have told me I'm wrong on that. That's okay. We can have different opinions for now. But you know, he, he's a really, really good athlete, tons of speed, uh, you know, really good defense. You know, Dayton's got Andrew Means out there too. You know, those two guys are great de- defensive center fielders. Um, I, 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 I like him a lot. Um, I, I, I kind of question the power, though. That's really the only thing I'm concerned with right now with him. Uh, Mark Flurry, the catcher who was drafted uh, in the fourth round last year out of uh, oh, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Oh, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather talk about uh, Orlando Cabrera. But he's had a decent season down there, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, he's only hitting 249, but, you know, he, he draws a lot of walks, and the power's really come around lately. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I, I had a few arguments with some people in the organization about him last year. Uh, but I think that, you know, as long as he just keeps progressing, you know, he's got a shot to be a major leaguer. You know, he's got power. He's got patience. He just kind of needs to round out the rest of his game a little bit more. I, I look at his numbers, and I see a, an on-base percentage that's about 100 points higher than his batting average, and it makes me think it's a guy that's got a clue at the plate at least. Uh um, 22 years old, I think, uh, something like that. So, yeah, I'm interested to watch him. Oh, anyone else that, at Dayton that uh, I'm looking down the list here? I don't I see mean, it. The best prospect on their team, in my opinion, has got to be D.D. Gregorius. You know, he's only got a 688 OPS right now. Uh, you know, he's 20 years old, shortstop, but you know, he's got all the tools that you want to see. You know, he's really good defensively. He, you know, arguably, you know, maybe a plus defender at shortstop. I mean, at the very least, he's an above-average defensive shortstop right now, uh, range-wise. He's got to, you know, work a little bit on, you know, rounding out his defense. But, you know, he's a guy that I think could be a legitimate major league starting shortstop in a few years. Uh, you know, he's still a little raw and needs to work on a few things, but, you know, his plate discipline's good. He's got, you know, 47 strikeouts and 26 walks and 410 plate appearances. You know, he's got some power potential. The defense is there. You know, he's just young and raw. I think that, you know, he probably is the best prospect on that team right now. Definitely has a major league name, uh, D.D. Gregorius. Absolutely. Uh, it gets better. His, his full name is actually 
Marixen Julius Gregorius. Oh, uh, it's, it's fantastic. That is great. He, he, he's, he's now my favorite player. <laughs> um, last guy I want to talk about, you mentioned him earlier very briefly, but uh, a guy that we've kind of been watching because he was signed so young and is beginning to uh, progress a little bit and impress a little bit, uh, Jorman Rodriguez, who's with uh, Billings now. That guy is just absolute human tool shit. You know, uh, he's drawn comparisons with, you know, guys like Eric Davis. And, I mean, if that doesn't tell you how, you know, high of a ceiling this guy has, I, I'm not sure what else will. You know, he got to play in Billings last year, and he struggled. You know, this year, the numbers look a lot better. But I, I think at the same time, you know, he's kind of having the same struggles. He's got some serious play discipline problems right now. And it's not so much that he strikes out a lot. It's that he's not walking hardly at all. Um, you know, he's got one walk and 16 strikeouts this year. And, you know, he's going to have to improve that. You know, he's just 17. He's the second youngest player in the league. So it's, it's nothing to be overly concerned about right now. But that, that really seems to be the only wart on his game. You know, Delino DeShields has been quoted saying, you know, that he loves his work ethic and how he plays the game. You know, he's a guy that goes out and gives it his all every you know, every time he's out on the field, which, you know, for a guy that's 17 and signed, you know, a $2.7 million contract, that's something you really don't see that often. You know, I, I think that he's a guy that could, you know, absolutely explode through the system in the next two years. Yeah, 17 years old, if, if with all the tools he has, if the light goes on for him, uh, you know, you, the way you described it, he, he could shoot uh, straight up uh, through the system quickly. Uh, just, it's an interesting name to watch. All right. Doug, anything else about the Reds minor leagues we need to know? Uh, I mean, I, I could probably go on for four or five hours if you wanted me to, but <laughs> you know, not, nothing really that jumps out right away is something that you, uh, you'd be missing out on if I didn't tell you about it. What do you think about the Cincinnati Reds? They, they're going to stick in this race for the rest of the season? I don't see a reason why they wouldn't. Uh, you know, they're a pretty well-rounded team. They've got a few holes here and there, but you know, the Cardinals – they also have a few holes here and there, and I don't I don't see anybody else coming up through the division to you know push either one of those teams. So I, I, there's no reason to believe that they won't be there at the end of the year. I agree. I think the next two months are going to be a lot of fun in Cincinnati. I just don't see, especially the number of games that we play in the division with such a terrible division this is, the Reds are in, I don't see any way they fade too far. Uh, I think they're going to be right in it there to the very end, and, and that's going to be a lot of fun for uh, those of us who – have not experienced a whole lot of winning baseball in a while. Uh, Doug, I really appreciate you joining us. We're going to have you on again, uh, hopefully, uh, sooner rather than later. It took us a little longer this time than uh, I wanted to. always enjoy talking to you. Um, good luck at uh, RedsMinorLeagues.com. Thanks a lot. All right, and thanks to uh, each of you for listening to the Red Lake Nation radio podcast. Uh, as we say every week, I know you got a lot of things you could be doing uh, other than listening to this uh, ridiculous southern accent, uh, listen to me ramble at you for a little while. We appreciate the fact that you download this uh, uh, podcast and listen to it uh, every time we put one out. Uh, got any questions, send those to us at uh, radio at redlegnation.com. Um, always come check out what we're doing at, uh, at Red Leg Nation. We're having a lot of fun every day there. Follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, all that uh, jazz. Um, that's all for this week. For Doug Gray of RedsMinorLeagues.com, this is Chad Dotson saying so long.
This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.